Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley. And I'm your producer, Mike Bruner. And together, we are celebrating our 100th episode. Feel free to comment if you're joining us live, and we'll answer as many questions as we can over the next half hour in a bit. Mike, it is awesome to chat with you my friend i cannot believe a hundred episodes already it's it's a blur yeah i can't believe you know it doesn't seem like it was a year ago that i dropped on board and or jumped on board and got you a couple of guests and then I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of cobbled this thing together a year ago yeah exactly yeah it's uh, i think i was thinking back to the timelines i believe uh, we were talking just before we went on air I'll get the exact time because now this is killing me. Now I can't, I don't have the exact date. I think it was in May. Was it, or it might even been March now I'm thinking about it. Was it March? It might've been, I think it was towards the end of May because the first guest I got you was June 7th and I think that was about episode three. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so it was near the end of May. So we were just over a year, 100 episodes. I, happy anniversary. Yeah, happy anniversary, man. This is awesome. It's so exciting. I love it. I love it. Um, for people listening, uh, if you're joining us live, send us your well wishes. Send us your chats. We'll do our best to answer whatever we can while we're going through this. Mike and I are just going to have a nice little chat and reflect on uh, on this past year. I thought we'd start off by maybe even just talking about who we are uh, for people to kind of join this podcast midway through that haven't been here since the beginning. Um, let's talk a little bit about maybe who we are. Mike, can you tell us just quickly kind of, you know, who you are, your background, kind of what your day job is, and then how that kind of relates to what you're doing in the board game industry? Sure. Yeah, so I'm Mike Bruner. I met James probably three years ago. Yeah. I don't know that we've ever met in person, but he, he was Soon. a backer on my, <laughs> someday. Um, he was one of my backers on my Queen Bee campaign. Um, and and that's how our relationship started. Uh, me, I, I grew up in Washington State, went to college in Idaho, and then took my first job in Oregon. And now I live in Utah. So I've kind of bounced around all over the West Coast in the U.S. Um, and didn't get into board game design until uh, probably four years ago now with when I started uh, designing Queen Bee. I launched a campaign and it didn't fund because I, I did everything wrong. <laughs> um, and then I kind of became a student of game design, um, crowd developing. And then I launched a second campaign and it w- went much better, was able to fund it, was able to fulfill it, um, mostly without hiccups during that second time. Yeah, second time's a charm. And then, and you're an accountant, right? Is that what you, you do as like, as a day job? Yeah. So I'm a CPA, which is a certification they give to you to officially show that you're a nerd. Um, so I, I went above and beyond. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a CPA down in the US. I work with small businesses for the most part with their tax issues. I help them uh, with everything from setup to when they get bought out and the taxes all along the way. And that's kind of what I do. So it's fair to say that you're, you're a tough guy to reach maybe in the first quarter of the year, I guess, is it? <laughs> you would know. <laughs> All right. So my background really quickly, uh, James Staley. Um, I, uh, I'm the owner of Tin Robot Games and uh, I started my journey in the board game industry 
um, relatively around the same time as Mike, but uh, three years ago was kind of my first Kickstarter campaign. That's when we had connected, uh, as he said, on, on Queen Bee. Um, my day job is I am a uh, sales and marketing in the supplement industry. Uh, so we consult, uh, you know, small, medium-sized businesses that are trying to get into the, uh, the health industry here in Canada. Uh, and in the evenings I play board games and I love the board game industry and it's something that I've been passionate about for, uh, my entire life, but started game design actually almost, uh, I guess about 25 years ago, shelved it, didn't think that, uh, those games would go anywhere because it was all dominated by, you know, three players and it was monopoly and risk and everything at the time. And, uh, lo and behold, when the whole Kickstarter, uh, thing happened and helped the, uh, the indie industry grow and flourish, that's when I, uh, I jumped back in and, uh, and got my, uh, my feet wet. Like Mike, had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And uh, part of, of creating this podcast, uh, quite frankly, as you know, Mike and I had talked over the past few years, was finding a way to, to talk to other, uh, you know, either game designers, publishers, people in the industry who knew a lot more than we did, right? And the idea was that, hey, if we're having these conversations with these people anyways, wouldn't it be cool to record them and then maybe other people can benefit from them as well? So selfishly, when we have these interviews um, and I'm asking questions, I, I know that you know audience members are, are benefiting from the answers, but I'm selfishly benefiting from the answers myself. Often most of these questions are just because I'm curious or I don't know and I want to get that person's perspective. So it's been kind of cool that you know, that's kind of what we've carved out in this industry. There's lots of developers out there. There's lots of um, uh, content creators that focus on reviews and things like that. And for us, we didn't want to kind of go down that path of, of mimicking that. We really want to create something that was unique. Uh, and that is allowing us to get these nuggets of information, these bite-sized pieces of information that A, you could sit down and binge all at one time uh, or take it in little pieces of nuggets while you're maybe brushing your teeth or driving to work or whatever. So that's kind of how we started this whole podcast and really the why behind it. Yeah. And I've, I've enjoyed being a part of it because I've been able to, I get a lot of questions just uh, from the board game uh, groups on Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. And a lot of times I'll just send them a link to an episode and say, hey, we talk about that in this episode. You'll get more out of it than me trying to regurgitate it for you. So go listen to the podcast. So it's it's been a great resource as far as that goes. Yeah, you know, the resource is a, is a good point because one thing that we started on around, I think it was around episode 50, uh, quite frankly, when we hit that milestone, where I started realizing that our website, which is boardgamebinge.com. So if any time you want to see a back catalog, of course, you can check it out on our, our YouTube channel. It's all there as well. But the Board Game Binge um, website allows you to actually filter, right? So you can go through the past uh, catalog and say you're a, a designer and you really only care about design and design advice. You can filter on just the interviews that were done on design. Likewise, if it's publishing or if it's distribution, whatever the topic that you want to kind of hone in on, uh, you can do that by by filtering. So for us, again, it was out of need that we just had all these interviews and it took some time going back and recategorizing a lot of them. Um, but now as a, as a resource, I know even myself sometimes if I want to find an interview that we had done and because I want to go back and I remember we were talking about something and I just kind of want to go back and reflect on what that person said, 
I'll actually even just go on our own website and I'll do the filters to get down to the, the even sometimes I forget the person's name. I mean, we've had a hundred interviews, right? So you can't remember every single person's name off the top of your head. Sometimes you have to kind of think. So doing that categorization and allowing me to, to filter really helps a lot. Um, so, you know, some people sometimes wonder like, how, how do we find our guests? So do you want to kind of take that one, Mike? How, how do we find our guests for the show? Sure. Um, I think it's just our own personal networks. Again, going back to the Facebook groups and Instagram accounts, and I, I follow a lot of people in the board game industry. And just from my own personal experience of running the, the Queen Bee campaign, I made a lot of relationships along the way, including yourself that was a backer, but also a game designer yourself. And as we see each other's campaigns and kind of run them at the same time and say, hey, what are you doing for fulfillment? Hey, Brexit, what happened? What, how do I approach that? Have you, have you learned anything? Because I think as a small publisher, it's impossible to learn everything yourself. And so if, if I know you're doing something, I can say, hey, James, do you know anything about fulfillment in Australia? And you can say, yep, I do, or no, I don't. And, and so just from the net, my own personal network of games I follow, seeing the buzz about games, um, is kind of how I've found guests. Occasionally we'll have people reach out to us. I think before the podcast went live, you mentioned that we're getting more and more as the podcast has grown. Yeah. So I think you're being pretty humble because I think, um, I mean, the reality is I'm just a chimp hurling my feces at people, right? Mike is the one that is finding the guests. You've got the network that is, uh, far reaching, Sometimes you'll you'll have a get you'll say hey I was thinking about this person on on the podcast I'm like I've never even heard that game and and shame on me because I you know I'm not as I'm not as tapped into it uh, as you are and I think that is uh, a huge asset quite frankly to the podcast because there's so many people that we never ever would have or I never would have ever had the privilege of talking to uh, if you hadn't brought them to the table we're now getting to the point where we have people reaching out to us. That's true. So I'd say probably 20% of our interviews now are people just reach out to us saying, hey, saw the podcast, loved it. Uh, we got a game coming up or we've got somebody we want you to profile. Do you mind uh, you know, scheduling us in? Is there a time slot that lines up with uh, with our launch? The answer is almost always yes. Uh, we're very accommodating. We're, we're trying to schedule it now on Mondays and, two, uh, Mondays and Thursdays, right? At 6 p.m. So it's a consistent slot so people know when to, to tune in. However, uh, there have, have been some cases where whether it be holidays coming or, or something that, um, you know, causes or time zones, you know, if you're talking to somebody on the other side of the pond where they're just, you know, 6 p.m. our time is like one o'clock in the morning in their time, we can make adjustments and we usually will, but we try to stick to our timelines wherever we can. So that, that's one thing. The other thing uh, like I've started doing, Mike, like, like you have, is I'll see a game that I just find really interesting and I'll reach out to the person and say, hey, I not only do I find your game interesting, I want to chat with you about it, right? So I can think of two most recent examples were Castlescape and uh, Connecting Flights, right? So we had Josh Horley and, uh, Horsley sorry, and uh, Rafa Dawad. Their games, uh, there's just something about them when I saw them online that just caught me where I'm like, that looks like a really cool game. That's kind of in my style of what I look for. And, uh, and I reached out to them and said, hey, like I know you got your Kickstarter coming do you want to chat about your game? And uh, what's cool is most people are like, yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about the game. So we've rarely had anybody say they don't want to be on the podcast. I can't really think of any. I've had a couple where just the schedules won't line up, but for the most part, people are pretty, uh, pretty excited to talk about, uh, talk about their games. 
What's one thing, Mike, that, uh, you know, reflecting back on, if not even the past you know, 100 episodes, even the past 50 episodes, something that really stood out to you? Just to put you on the spot. Yeah. Um, I just like all the connections that are out there because I, I feel like I know a lot of people in the board game industry and then you'll find a guest and they'll be from my home state and I'm like, Hey, I thought I knew everybody in, in Utah. And here comes James from Canada, uh, getting Yarrow studios as a guest. And I've never even heard of them and they've been a great guest for us and a valuable resource. And so it's just amazing how, again, one, a, a small publishing company or one person can only do so much. And it just grows so quickly when you add a second person, a third person, a fourth person. Yeah, Tanner's great. I mean, that guy has done so much. His campaigns have been massive, right? And uh, I'm glad we're able to connect with him and, and get him on for for a couple episodes. He is a really good resource. He's a good guy to reach out to, and he's he's well connected as well. I think uh, to kind of continue on, I think the connections is a big one for me. Um, I'm, I've started to make a lot of friends, quite frankly, in this industry. And um, you know what's was really cool to me is on being a game developer and, and publisher myself. I am constantly reaching out to these guests. So these people that have been on our podcast, I always make sure I'm staying con- connected. And usually after the end of the, the interview, I say, hey, can, is it okay if we stay connected? Because I'm going to have questions I might want to ask. And everybody's been amazing. There's not been anybody that said, no, don't don't reach out to me. Um, people usually get back to you very, very quickly. So I'm constantly DMing uh, our different connections that we've made as guests on this podcast. The one thing I, I thought was really awesome, and I think is a testament to that, is when we did this this giveaway, right? We wanted to celebrate uh, the 100th episode. So leading up to the 100th episode, we thought, hey, why don't we give away a, a few games, you know, leading up to it. So a couple of weeks ago, I reached out and I thought, I'll just kind of cast my net wide. And I reached out to, f- I think it was 14 different companies. Within an hour and a half, I had 12 companies say, I'm in. Here's a game. The other two, I'm still, I haven't, maybe they didn't get my, my note or whatever, but 12 at, at like I thought I was going to get three, right? So to have 12 said to me, one is that it, you know, they, there's a valued relationship there, right? So they value the relationship that they've built with us as well. Um, and, and, and two, um, I think it speaks to the constant contact that we stay in with each of these, these people as well, right? So it hasn't been like, Hey, thanks for the interview. You know, see you later and enjoy your life. Like we've, we've, we keep reaching out to these people, right? We keep talking to them because there's this communal sharing of ideas you know, I know Chandler says often calls it the coopetition, but it really is an amazing industry how we can all kind of share these ideas together and really try to make the industry better as a whole. And I, I think, you know, everybody kind of contributing and, and sharing those ideas helps with that. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. And I also think it's the whole we'll scratch your back, you scratch ours mentality of, hey, we don't charge for these podcasts. It's free marketing for anybody who wants to be a guest on our show. And then when we're celebrating something and we re- reach out to these companies, I, th- I, I know I remember which podcast I was on when I did the queen bee campaign. And I remember which reviewers I went out to and I've seen opportunities. I've collaborated with some of them after the fact and said, Hey, let's do a giveaway on your Instagram account. You helped me during my campaign. Let me help you grow your thing. And I think there's a lot of that in the board game in- industry, the competition, we're not always in a position. Sometimes we're in a position where we need help and other times we're in a position where we can give help. And I love seeing that collaboration of 
for this podcast and just across the industry. Yeah, that that's something I, I I don't know if people realize. Like we don't we don't charge people to come on this podcast. Like this this is us chatting with people about the board game industry, trying to see under the hood and uh, and and add to learning ourselves. Certainly gives exposure to uh, you know to to people's games. You have some cases where you know they they don't. I'm sure they don't need our our uh, our exposure. And there's other cases where we've had people that it does it does contribute to the exposure of their game. Because we're not we're not picky, right? Like we don't say, oh, we're only going to go with like the you know the, the big guys, the big players. If it's something we find interesting and we think there's a story there, um, you know, we're willing to explore it. And, and for me, this podcast is about the people, and it sounds a little cliche, but it's true, right? It, it's a it's when you listen to any of our episodes, the first third of our episode is just trying to understand who is this person, why did they get into this industry? It's a strange thing to make a board game. Right, like if you if you're at a party and you're talking to somebody, you say, you know, what do you do? And they're like, oh, it's my job. Oh yeah, do you have any hobbies? Yeah, I make board games and I I launch them around the world. Like that's a really weird thing to say uh, for people who are outside the the board game industry. So for me, it's it's a curiosity. Like, okay, I know how I got into it, but how did they get into it? Right? And we've talked to engineers. I mean, we had uh, was it uh, was it it might have been Rafa? Yeah, Dawit, Rafa Dawit. The guy's making wind farms off the coast of, uh, of the UK, right? Like he, he's the engineer on the actual, like, <laughs> like, uh, solar, like, uh, wind power generators. Like that's his job. You know, we talked Josh Horsley is another one I know is most recently, but I mean, he's working on, uh, autonomous, uh, you know, driving systems in your car and, you know, when the lights come up on your, does a lot of programming on, on cars. These are careers that have absolutely nothing to do with board games. So it's kind of cool when you hear somebody like that, find a, well, you know, what led you from this to that, right? And uh, you know that for me, it's it, it's kind of a it's kind of a cool thing. What's one thing, Mike, that uh, that you've wanted to kind of you know we've talked a lot kind of after our fiftieth uh, episode that you want to see more of that you find that we're able to do? Like, was there anything that you're like you know this is something I think we, I, that you want to see covered uh, coming into these past fifty episodes that we're able to get done? One thing that I, I've and it may not be true. You would know better than I would, but I, the, the first 50 episodes talked heavily on like game design um, specifically and live Kickstarters. And I think the last 50 have brought in more content creators like Ellen and Randy Kirby and um, some of those other people that I can't think of right now. Well, I'll name them all. We've got Our Family Plays Games, The Charity Board Gamer, mm-hmm. We Game Together, Quackalope, Alex Radcliffe, Todd Patroquin, uh, Tabletop Animators. Uh, sorry if I missed anybody, but I mean, that, you know, that's getting to almost like what, one sixth of our, our episodes were on, were on content creators. That's actually what I had on my list too. That's cool that you felt the same way. That was something for me that I wanted to, um, to get into is really more the content side, right? And, and find out, how did those people get into it? And the one thing I was actually surprised at, surprised but not surprised, is that they're all just trying to figure it out, right? So when you see a polished video and you see a channel where it's polished and you're like, wow, this person's like, man, they're just awesome at content creation. These guys just, they, they know what they're doing. This is just, uh, these, these guys are the deal. Almost every single one of them, they've got to the point where they can present themselves that way, but they're still trying to figure it out, right? Nobody, at least that we've come across, is what I would call an expert. (laughs) 
at content creation, right? Because things are constantly changing and, you know, they're kind of trying to find their groove. And I think what I like the most about the content creators is the personalities, right? Because that's their hook, right? Our family plays game is a very distinct personality. I can't not smile, you know, when uh, when Mick and Starler are talking. They're just awesome. I love them. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, you look at, um, uh, take, uh, you know, charity board gamer, you know, uh, Chris, his hook is very specific on, you know, getting money into charities and playing games with people and talking about charities over the, um, you know, so his personality and a lot of his, um, uh, you know, a lot of the, the things he does on, on a charitable side comes through on, on his, on his content. Quackalope guys, you know, it's kind of got a weird brand to it. They're quirky guys, and that's cool. It works, right? Like this, so that reflects the, their their personality. Amazing videographers, right? So you watch anything they do, it is awesome, right? So I think that uh, for me, that was that was something that I I really thought that we had to uh, make a conscious effort to do, and I, I think we we're able to achieve that. Uh, we'll have more coming up. There's a lot of content creators out there. Uh, Geek and Pink is actually coming up in another week, which I just uh, lined that one up today too. So I'm excited for that. So we're gonna try to hit this from as many different angles as we can. But I think to your point, it, it's adding to the kind of the overall balance, right? Of So it's not just about how do Kickstarters work, but it's getting into everything. Look at it from any possible angle you can. Um, I mean, you brought Todd in, right? And and I remember when you reached out to me, you said, hey, would you want to interview somebody that photographs board games? I was like, hell yeah, I want to <laughs> interview somebody that photographs board games. Of course I do. That's that's so awesome, and that's so different from anything else that we've ever done. And uh, and then you know the more I got to know Todd, and I mean he saved my bacon even on my uh, my own campaign. Um, we had had our reviewer samples that had to go out. You know we missed uh, the the Chinese New Year kicked in, so we got nothing coming from our plant, and they forgot to put the yellow cubes uh, in in the viewer reviewer copies. So I reached out to Todd because we had talked offline that you know he works for. A, uh, a small run uh, game manufacturer and it said, Hey, is there any way you guys could fly me some, some cubes? He's like, yeah, 48 hours later I had the cubes. So, uh, I wouldn't have learned about his, his channel, victory point labs. I love it. But people probably think that like we're related or this guy is like paying me or something. Cause I know I cannot talk enough about victory point labs, but I absolutely love the show. It's just so cool. And I geek out over seeing how these photographs are made and these different tricks and things behind the scenes. So, for me, that's been kind of cool to to get these things in our in our podcast. That you know, if you had to ask me a year ago, who are the kind of people you want to interview, or what are the types of things you want to learn, I'd say at least probably a fifth of them are things that have come up along the way that I never even would have imagined if you know if you hadn't have introduced it to us. So, I think that's pretty cool. And, and something to add to kind of this idea of content creators is. We got Todd, who's a photographer. He's a fun guy to talk to, but he loves photography. And he's found a way to take amazing pictures of, of games. In the interview with We Game Together, Randy talked about how he's just good at telling people how a game plays and how to play a game. And so that's his lane that he's really good at. And so when you're doing a Kickstarter, when you're designing a game, I think during that interview, you even said that he explained the game better than you did and you designed the game. And so some people are just better at certain things. And so do you want to be involved in charity? We got a guy for that. Do you want an amazing video? We've got a guy for that. Do you want, do you need a video of how to play? We've got a guy for that. And we've got, you know, great pictures, great, you know, just 
the the main videos and so there's it's amazing how even just content creation spans so wide of well, what do you need that's a good point and i think you know for i think it's, a, it's an awesome point so if somebody's looking to make a game and you want to think okay what kind of content can i build out around this this property i would encourage you to check out all these channels uh, because they all have their own hook um where they help uh, even uh, alex radcliffe he he that interview was was awesome and he and i talked for probably another 40 minutes after after the interview ended uh, off air number one very very gracious was sharing information so he gave me personally gave me said hey you know like the mic i changed mics i'm using the mic that he used because i'm like your voice came through way better than mine did you know what what mic you're using uh, he gave me some advice on thumbnails and so forth so we started changing how we structured things and it's cool hearing from someone that's you know figure some of these things out to be able to kind of lean on them and he's good at actually talking about uh, mechanics of games and so forth. So when he reviews, he's not necessarily saying this is a good or bad game. He focuses on this is kind of, this is what this game is about, right? Which I think is which is pretty cool too. Because again, that's that's his angle and that's his hook, and the fact that he's got a company that that sells and trades used games, right? That was an amazing thing that I had no idea about too. So it's kind of neat when you learn the backstory of some of these people and how they're 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 tied in. Has there been any relationships that you've made during this process that you've been able to then leverage on some of your games and things you're working on at all? Or I can think of one for sure because I saw some Queen Bee photos <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. 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 So Todd, I just followed on Instagram and then I try. I dabbled in photography in high school, and and so I tried different things, and none of my pictures turned out as amazing as his. So I, I was able to uh, hire him to take pictures of Queen Bee, and it's it's been a lot better. And having having nice photos of your game is like having nice photos of your kids. It's so much better to to have quality pictures of all the work that you put in. Um, yeah, and. I can think of I one think of mine. Sorry, go ahead. Uh-huh. No, go ahead. I was going to say Seth Hyatt. So uh, he's got media games. He also does uh, Sleeve Kings. And I was talking to him off air too. And I said, yeah, do you ever partner with like companies? Because it's just curiosity. I'm thinking, you know, Sleeves, he probably must like partner with companies. Like I see a lot of companies afterwards, he's selling aftermarket. But it, to me, it made sense. Is there companies where, why wouldn't they just include the Sleeves as part of their game as an add-on? And he's like, Absolutely. In fact, we do that deal a lot where, you know, we'll work at a deal and we'll get it to your, your chain because all of our stuff is in China. So we'll send it over to your Chinese manufacturer. It's going to save your backers on shipping costs of the sleeves and they're just paying the actual cost of the sleeve. So him and I actually struck a deal uh, to, to get the Sleeve Kings as an add-on uh, in the Nutty Squirrels game. Nutty Squirrels are the Oakwood Force. So that was something we added on at the, like the 12th hour, but it added so much more value to people who like sleeves and so forth who are backers of my game because now they're not having to pay the shipping costs twice, right? Now the sleeves are literally shipping with their game if they want to order the sleeves, then that way they didn't have to pay the shipping. So for me, that was something that was kind of cool. Um, Patrick uh, O'Callaghan from Space Duck Games, they did the uh, factory floor game. Can't wait to get that game. I'm going to get that in uh, September. I actually backed it. Um, after we did that that podcast, he did his own version of our logo, of the little caricature we have of, of the guy eating, you know, the meeples, binging on on game pieces. And I loved it so much. I said, "Is there? Is can I use this? <laughs> can I can I please use this?" And he's like, "Yeah, go ahead, man. It's yours." 
So that became our new logo, right? And then I reached out to him and said, can I actually hire you to help us with the animation? Because I, you know, we've got that guy doing 2D, uh, you know, binging on the, the meeples. It'd be cool if we can have everything match, right? So that was something where it was a one-off. We're doing an interview. He throws me a little one-off. Hey, thanks. It's great chat with you. Here's a little character I did. And that then turned into a relationship where uh, he's helping us actually with our IP, right? Around uh, around board game binge, which I think is pretty cool. Anybody that hasn't checked it, at the end of this podcast, you're going to see the guy just shoving the, the, the game pieces in his mouth from the box so you'll know what I'm talking about. But I absolutely love it, right? And that was a relationship we're able to build there. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to talk, I was going to say a little shout out to Nick Smith as well. There's music that is at the beginning of every one of our episodes. And some people might think, well, where'd that music come from? That was actually custom made uh, by Nick Smith. Uh, so he he wrote that and arranged it and created it specifically for a show. So you only hear that music in affiliation with the show, which is kind of cool. So I just want to give him a shout out as well. What are some of the episodes or some of the themes, um, Mike, that you would say have maybe not been super exciting, but have have been informative or helped you? I can think of at least one. Yeah, I think anytime we talk about the after Kickstarter stuff, so like fulfillment or that or worldwide, you know, shipping, those aren't necessarily the most exciting, but those seem to be the ones that get the most questions on board game design groups is, hey, I'd, I funded, now what? And yeah. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. I think, um, like I get it, you know, talking about distribution and taxes is as dry as, as anything, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm sure you just want to, people use that to fall asleep too but we try to make it as interesting as exciting as possible we do it in bite-sized chunks so that again you're not sitting through like a long lecture but for me it was important to um to include those so we had a good one with nigel right we talked a little bit about that tax the reason when this is so important is because there are huge changes happening in the industry right now that literally impact everybody it impacts you know publishers developers and even backers right you've got shipping costs uh, starting to climb You've got, um, you know, shipping accessibility uh, becoming tougher, right? So things are not shipping as fast as they've shipped in the past. So these things are kind of impacting the ability for you to get your games on time and the cost to, to get your games. But on top of that, um, with Brexit, what happened was they split off from the European Union and both the European Union and UK decided at that time, now's the time to kind of rejig all of our legislation around online Taxation, taxation of e-commerce, right? Because everybody's been at a, a free ride up until this point. Well, because there's so many campaigns that are always going on at any given time, for me, I was concerned because that tax is 20% of the retail cost. That's a big, big amount. And it was possible that there was going to be some people that were either A, going to hear from their publishers, reaching out for more money, saying, hey, by the way, this thing kind of went through after we had closed our campaign and we need your help, need some more money. Um, or people would be impacted by seeing, you know, average game prices starting to jump and say, well, what gives? How come games are more expensive now than they were before? That's just a card game. Why is it costing this? I paid, you know, 20% less a year ago. Well, there's a reason behind that, right? So we did a couple episodes on that because we wanted A, for the publishers to understand if you don't know about this, you need to know about this quick, right? Because this is going to impact you in a very meaningful way and um, it could be a difference between you making, breaking even, or even losing a lot of money. But then also for the backers, right? People who are waiting for their precious games to arrive, something that they've backed, they've been passionate about, they love it, they're so excited to get it. Well, you're going to be impacted in a pretty big way and we want to make sure that people knew that as well. So for me, 
I apologize if some of those episodes were dry, but I'm telling you, uh, they are they are necessary, right? And if if you are somebody who a is um, you know waiting for your game or b a publisher, check out those episodes. They are so important, especially on the publishing side. Yeah. Any other thoughts in terms of um, these different? Um, I just actually realized board game uh, girl Jess. I didn't put her as a content creator. She kind of technically through Girl Stampede uh, a um, uh, a content creator. So we'll put her in that list as well. Even though board game girl Jess is also a consultant and uh, has done some great uh, work out there as well. But I want to throw that there as well. Where do you where do you want this to go from here, Mike? Where, where, how do you see this podcast evolving? I think it's you know. One of the resources when I launched my Kickstarter campaign was the Jamie Stegmeier's, um, I totally butchered his name right there, Jamie Stegmeier's book. Um, Is it Stag or Steg? I never know. I think it's Stegmeier. Um, <laughs> I've heard it both ways. <laughs> um, his book about crowdfunding, and that was published, I think, in 2015 or 20. Yeah, let's go with 2015. Um, and that's a valuable resource and it still has a lot of relevant information in it. And I still encourage people to read that book before you launch a campaign. But the industry has changed quite a bit since then. And we've now got uh, GameFound as a platform. We now have other online crowdfunding resources and worldwide shipping has completely changed since that book was published. And so this podcast kind of is a fluid podcast of, hey, Let's talk about fulfillment again, because we talked about it last year, but it's changed completely in a year. And so let's talk about that. And and just as, as the industry changes, as things change, it's nice to have current information that we can provide. That's a great point. Um, I read that book, uh, Jamie's book. It was, it was fantastic. I echo the sentiment on that. For anybody looking to launch a board game, do yourself a favor, get the book, spend the 10 bucks and and read it it is there's still a lot of um launching a game 101 in there i think that uh still stands the test of time obviously there's some things that have changed i actually even asked them this in the interview I said you know knowing what you know now is there anything you would do differently or say differently in that book and um you know i think his answer at the time was he tries to cover that off in his blogs right so if you go to stolemeyergames.com uh, uh jamie runs a, a regular blog um, there is more than just that one guy alone. There is more than enough information in his book and on his website to get you 90% of the way there. And if anybody's launching a game that hasn't uh, checked that out, uh, it's it's your loss. It really is because it, it is he's just a wealth of knowledge because he's been through it all. Now he's not doing Kickstarters, right? So he goes direct. Um, so I think that's where you get some of the dating that some of the newer movement and things i think is starting to change right so some of the themes that we had talked about in the past um you know preview having preview videos on your page is 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 a must having um um you know marketing dollars put behind you know facebook ads although that might change now again with all the change in, in apple's privacy uh software updates and so forth but that was pretty consistent right that if you're using like a backer kid or one of these other um social media amplification companies um, that help you with the marketing, you know, that's the difference between, you know, getting into tens of thousands of dollars versus, you know, below that. So I think some of these things we're starting to see, 
it's cool that we cover them off in this podcast. And I think this podcast hopefully is a resource to some people where they they hear that enough. They have enough people that they they listen to how they got their game successful and start seeing these things kind of trend through. Um, you know, we had a good interview when I launched uh, the Nice Girls of the Oakwood Forest. Afterwards, the first thing I did as soon as my campaign closed is I did a live video uh, where I talked while well, everything was still fresh in my mind. Here's my key learnings. Of, no, I'm like, we literally just finished the campaign. Here's some of the learnings I had coming out of this. So I would encourage anybody to reflect back on that. I can't remember if that's even on YouTube. <laughs> it might just be on Facebook. I'll see if I can find it and put it on our YouTube channel. But it, it, it was it was good because it, I actually take people through like the reverse bell uh, curve that you get in Kickstarter campaigns. And I talk about the importance of ads and I start talking about some of the mistakes I made and things I do differently for the next time. So I think these are all good resources that can that can help people in, in, in the future. Some of the questions that some are asking is, you know, why the change in, in, in format? So, you know, we started this podcast off, it was entirely Facebook live uh, videos on our Facebook group, which is now up to 1,500 members. And, uh, you know, thank you to all of you that have joined our, our private Facebook group, The Board Game Binge. Anybody listening, join, you're amongst friends. We'd love to have you. Um, we did a lot of giveaways and things in that group. But we exclusively did these these interviews in, in that channel. And about, I would say, I guess it was two or three months ago now, uh, something happened where Facebook either changed their programming, their updates, or something happened with... Um, with you know Mac and, and OBS and so forth, but all of a sudden I couldn't cleanly click a button to publish the episode straight to that Facebook group. I believe it's because it's a private group. There are some workarounds to do that, but it is a lot of work to work around just to get a single stream into that channel. So Mike and I made the decision, right? Do we do we pivot or do we stay in this course? And the decision we made was that while all of the audio is always uh, published out, so wherever you listen to your favorite audio podcast, whether it be on Apple or Stitcher or, or Google, anywhere you get your uh, uh, Spotify, anywhere you can get an audio podcast, you get copies of these episodes. They're, they're available pretty much within an hour of us uh, going live. But for the live actual video interview, we decided to move to YouTube Live. So YouTube Live, as well as the Board Game Binge Podcast Facebook page, not the group, but the page, it also goes live there, as well as Twitch. And the reason we made this decision is we we want to grow, right? We want to continue to grow. And one of the biggest issues we had that this moment allowed us to reflect upon was that when we would have guests join us, they would say, hey, I got a bunch of people from our company or you know our Facebook page, or whatever, that want to watch this live and participate. Can I, is there a link I can send them? And I'd say, well, you can send them this link, but they have to join the group first before they can see the live, because it's a private group. You can't see the live video unless they're part of the private group. And these conversations were literally happening like five minutes, 10 minutes before we're going live, which is not even enough time for Facebook to even approve people as new members. So people would you know, try to join the group and they would join and they'd you know, be let in, but they'd only let them in after the interview was done. So with OBS and the software we use now, allows us to schedule out the YouTube video link. We can send that link to the people we're interviewing. They can share that amongst their social media profile and it makes it more accessible for people to be part of our podcast live. So that's the key reason we did that. We realize it's a kick in the pants for people that were used to watching it on the uh, on the, the private Facebook group. Our hope is that we can port as many of those people over as possible uh, and become fans and, and subscribe to us on YouTube. 
one of the cool things about YouTube is it's a lot more friendly than Facebook, right? So Facebook, if you, you publish a live video, a week later, if you want to go find that video, it is, it's like, you know, it's like, a, it, that's, that's going to be your exercise for the afternoon to find that video. I even have somebody that we interviewed say, hey, I was trying to find the video we did two weeks ago. I can't find it on Facebook. I had to mine down through to try to find, you know, the episode to, to give them the link. YouTube's not like that. YouTube, everything's nice and categorized. If you want to see things that we've done in terms of giveaways, they're all categorized together. If you want to see uh, the podcast episodes, you can see those. Like everything is nice and easy and easy to filter on, on YouTube. So that's kind of why we did that. And from time to time, we'll just do an impromptu live stream where we're talking about whatever. If it's a game that I've backed where I want to look at it and talk about it, we put it on there and uh, you know some extra content for people to uh, to consume. I think one of my favorite moments, Mike, for me was seeing you do the interviewing. <laughs> so for 100 Weird. episodes, Mike's done one. Mike's hosted one. We're going to change that. We're going to get Mike uh, hosting more. Um, oh, we did a good job. That was good. That's a good way to drive down the quality of our in- our podcast. <laughs> no, it was good. How did it feel? How did it feel being on the host side? It was good. Um, I'm... I'm- less charismatic <laughs> than you are and so you make an excellent host and i i value what you do <laughs> i don't so i don't believe I, that i like my role you're a charismatic guy i think it's literally just repetition so maybe what we'll do is uh if people want to hear more from mike let us know we're going to try to encourage him to do some more we'll get him uh, into some more of these interviews at least i think in terms of creating some content would be kind of cool I know that, Mike, you've got some stuff you're working on now uh, behind the scenes, right? In the game, Maybe talk about some of the things you're doing now on, on the game side. Yeah, working on... If you don't um, mind. Yeah, yeah, no, I can talk about it. Um, I'm working on another game that I'm calling Gadgets right now. We'll change that title eventually, but that's what we're referring to it now. Um, and the closest thing that I would say it's like is, is kind of like Above and Below, if you're familiar with that game from Red Raven Games, where you a lot of the times during your turn, you're given a a scenario where you have to make a decision and you read some of them where like you're being chased by this haunt and you have to choose between this sturdy looking rope or this frayed looking rope. And and you've got to decide now and which rope do you jump on? And then based on your decision, you read um, what you get for making that choice. And, and that particular scenario was fun to see all the results because a lot of people were like, why would I choose the frayed rope? And maybe there's a reason behind that one being a little more worn than the new looking rope. And, and so there's just I, I, the, the genesis behind this project was I've got oodles of kids and whenever they would want to pl- uh, do a late night with dad and play a game, the game that they would always choose is, is above and below. And as far as setup and gameplay, it's kind of above their level and, strategically they wouldn't play it they would just play it to go to the caverns below and and be read these stories and so i wanted to create something that was a little simpler as far as setup and gameplay but still provide the opportunity of kind of like a quasi rpg game for kids to for adults to play with their kids or adults to play with other adults because i've played it with adults and and we have a good time of making silly decisions in that. So that's, that's what I'm working on. And Sarah Keel is actually the artist for that game. And she's having fun with the world building. And I've kind of just said, Hey, 
whatever you want to create, let me know. We'll we'll create it. We'll add it into this world. And 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 I think artists uh, like the freedom of that. And other artists, they want specific direction. And and she's an artist that I think likes the flexibility of to just create and draw and come up with stuff. So it's it's been fun to work with. She's super talented too, right? Like, uh, and, and she's already built up quite the, um, I'd say resume, right? Of, uh, of games that she's worked on, like Bristol 13, is it 1350? 1350, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bristol 1350. And in uh, all the, I think she's done several titles through Facade Games. Um, so her artwork is is awesome, right? A very, very talented family, quite frankly. I think her husband's also a, an artist as well, nice. Josh. Um, always love to see the stuff they're doing. On my end, I've got uh, a couple games I'm working on. So the one I talked about in our interview, we've actually pushed that out a year, uh, the dice drafting game we're going to do. Purely because, I yeah, I uh, after we interviewed James Freeman, who did the social media for um, Doomlings, I was talking to him off air and I said, is there any, like, have you thought about game design? Have you worked on any games yourself? And he's like, oh, I've, I've got a couple. I've, I've got one I've been, I've, I've was working on for a while and, you know, I did a Kickstarter and didn't really go and, and I kind of shelved it. And I said, well, it's sent over. I'd love to take a look at it. And I looked at the game and right away I, I could see what it, what, it, what it would be, right? What it could become. And uh, so I said, you know, would you be interested in, in partnering on this game? You know, maybe I could be the publisher. And, uh, and yeah, he was excited. He said, yeah, let's do it. So that game uh, is currently scheduled this fall. We started, uh, you know, we've got the prototypes and everything going, the, the stand-in art and so forth. But it's called Hippos versus, no, sorry, Hamsters versus Hippos. And uh, you're basically hamsters trying to that have escaped the zoo. You're trying to get out and uh, and collect these precious lotus flowers that you saw outside your window. You know, for the years you're sitting in your cage, and as you run across these lily pads, there's hippos in the water, and you're trying to find as many as you can uh, before your friends do, and before somebody gets eaten. So it's a bit of a uh, pressure luck game, a tile flipping game, which is kind of cool. And then another game that Adam, my uh, brother and uh, developer with me, uh, has been working on. Uh, he, he and I work on most games together. This is one that we had uh, made that uh, we're very excited about. It plays so well. It's a card game, and I always swore I would never do another card game just because I'm trying to expand out into more board games and things like that, but it's such a good card game that uh, we're probably going to launch it this fall as well, uh, right after Hamsters versus Hippos. So Hamsters versus Hippos is James Freeman's, and we're just going to help him with the publishing side of it. Our game that we're creating is called Planting Evidence, and it's a card game where you're trying to essentially frame other people uh, for murder, which is uh, which is a lot of fun. So uh, stay tuned to to hear more about that. I'm sure Mike and I will sprinkle in amongst the uh, board game uh, binge uh, YouTube page uh, some of the our progression on some of these things. Um, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody that's uh, been part of this journey with us that have either been there from the beginning or have joined us along the way. Uh, I hope that you're finding something in each one of these episodes like we do and uh, you're, you're walking away with some benefit and uh, and you're getting some enjoyment out of it. And I just want to say thank you so much. Any final words from you, Mike? No, just echoing your gratitude to our listeners. We, we wouldn't keep doing this if we didn't have listeners, if we didn't have downloads. And we... We, right before we got on this podcast, we looked at the um, analytics of our podcast and there's people listening and that's fun to be creating something in podcasts that people find valuable because the downloads keep 
trending upwards. And so more and more people are finding us, which makes me believe we're helping more and more people. And so we appreciate you listening and then sharing it with others and, and helping us grow this so that we can make the board game hobby a little bit better. Yeah, I think that uh, to echo that sentiment, uh, it was uh, JT Smith. We've had two interviews with him and they are both in the top six of all downloads that we've had. So clearly there's a lot of people out there that do board game design or into making games that uh, enjoy this podcast. So we'll continue to bring as much diverse content as we possibly can, whether it be um, content creators. Yes, there's going to be some cases we're talking taxes and distribution, not too much. So I'm not going to bore people. Um, and talk, uh, continue to talk about Kickstarters, cool Kickstarters are coming out. If there's any ideas that people have of things they want us to cover, shoot us a note. If you are a publisher, shoot us a note and you're interested in coming on our podcast, we'd love to talk to you. Let's see if we can line up a date. Uh, go to the boardgamebinge.com. There's a contact form there. Send us your thoughts and uh, we read every single one of them and we'll see what we can line up. I just want to wish everybody all the best. Hope you have an awesome day and we'll see you on Thursday when we're talking about was it Isle of Cats 2? Yep. Isle of Cats 2, the expansion. I love it. All right, you take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.